0: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of beat the house here with your host justin everett and we got another jam-packed show uh heavy with major league baseball a uh, little bit of nfl preseason as it kicks off on thursday and gonna recap you know the uh the mlb card that we had yesterday that turned out to be a winner and uh, we're off to a really good start here for the month of august uh the first you know eight or nine days or so so Gonna look to continue to keep that rolling. But, um, before we get into all of that, just a quick reminder. If you haven't already, if you like the show, been listening to the show, but haven't, uh, reviewed or subscribed yet, do me a quick favor and head over to Apple or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe and share the show with your friends. You know, here at Beat the House, um, you can expect to get, you know, some handicapping and breaking down games, breaking down teams uh probably in a uh, in a more of an, a unique way than you you know would typically get at your other you know uh podcasts or uh, betting shows or handicapping shows uh as i you know put my you know uh, twist on it as far as being an ex athlete you know playing basketball but also uh spending so much time and studying and breaking down uh the betting industry and you know uh, just a a handicapping a viewpoint and, you know, combining and mixing all that together and just trying to, you know, find edges to turn profits, you know, in uh, the major sports that I bet in NBA, uh, Major League Baseball, NFL, um, college football, and basketball. So, uh, with that being said, let's quickly get into the recap from the MLB card from yesterday. Uh, we were on the Mariners at minus 140 over the Padres and they were able to get the win there. Uh, Logan Gilbert was again lights out. Uh, He had, you know, 12 12 strikeouts, only allowed one hit um, and no runs. Um, And there was a little bit of a shocker to me um, as far as how many strikeouts he racked up uh, against the Padres who they don't strike out a lot and they have been walking, you know, their fair share. Um, at, at, at bats, you know, for the month of August. Uh, but Logan Gilbert, you know, he does rack up strikeouts, but I didn't think that he would rack up as many as he did going up against the Padres. But, you know, once he got into a rhythm there early on after that first inning and he was pretty much, you know, uh, painting the corners and, you know, he had his, uh, his forcing fastball and his slider combo. Uh, working at elite levels and the Padres lineup, you know, as tough as they are, you know, uh, with their first four batters uh, or first five batters or so uh, with Tatis, Soto, Machado and Bogarts, uh, they really just couldn't time it up, barrel it up and put too much contact on any of those pitches. And he he didn't have much trouble. Uh, He was, you know, uh, deep and late into the ball uh, into the ball game there. I want to say, say about the sixth inning or fifth inning, uh, he was deep into the game there, and he hadn't had a runner on second base yet. And, um, you know, he had a a runner get on second base with, I I believe it was Cronworth, uh, started the seventh with a double, and, you know, that was it. You know, he he got out of that inning there, and the bullpen came in and shut, uh, you know, shut the game down for him. Um, And, you know, he had some great defense as well. Uh, with Julio Rodriguez, uh, bringing back a potential homer off of Tatis. Uh, he played a, you know, a little showmanship there as he made the crowd and the announcers, even me for a little bit, think that he didn't catch it. But, you know, he held the ball in his glove for a little bit and had it. Uh, so that was, you know, one of the top plays, you know, from last night, from a defensive standpoint, from Rodriguez out in center field. But uh felt good to get that win there, like I said, it was an overnight bet that I had played, you know, with the Mariners land minus 140. But throughout the day and leading up to the game there, um, I guess money was coming in on the Padres. You know, once I saw this, um, you know, move over 30 cents or so towards the Padres, I thought that there was some guys that was going to be out of the uh, Mariners lineup or Logan Gilbert, you know, was potentially going to be uh, scratched, you know, from the lineup or from his start or whatever the case may be. Um, But as, you know, we got later on into the day, you know, there were no injuries. Gilbert was still making his start. And the Padres were also going with uh, a bullpen, you know, a, a bullpen day with Nick Martinez getting the start. But, you know, they were coming into this game, you know, with their bullpen pretty much taxed as they finished up the series with the Dodgers, you know, over the weekend there. And, you know, the Mariners, they had the better bullpen coming into this matchup anyways. So um, I, f- I felt that the Mariners had, you know, the advantage with the starting pitching as well as um, the bullpen and the offenses were pretty much tit for tat for the month of August there. So um, the game kind of played out uh, like my handicap went, you know, with the exception of Gilbert uh, just being lights out and dominant racking up the 12K. So Definitely will take that as we got the win there and, you know, look to going to look to continue to do that, you know, for Wednesday's card. But before we get into that, a little bit of um, some bad news for our NL Cy Young, you know, futures pick on Spencer Strider took a major hit as, you know, he had a rough outing in his last start against the Pirates. Uh, He only went, you know, two and two thirds innings pitched, uh, gave up six earned runs. And, you know, going into that start, he was the favorite to win the NL Cy Young at around plus 220, plus 225. But coming out of that matchup, he moved to plus 550. I think he's around the third or fourth best odds there. So he's not out of it, but it's pretty hard for a Cy Young winner to get the award, you know, with the ERA that he has right now currently sitting at 394. So he's pretty much touching four earned runs per start. Um, I mean, even though he does rack up a lot of strikeouts and he does, you know, rank pretty well and pretty favorable in other uh, statistical categories for pitchers. But it's going to be pretty hard to get, you know, the NL Cy Young, you know, with the ERA about, you know, where where is that right now for him? So, you know, pretty much for the rest of the season with his starts coming up um, in order for him to get back into this race, a couple things has to happen. But one thing that he has to do. Um, for us to to you know legitimately have a legitimately have a shot at cashing this ticket is you know he's going to have to have his outings to where he's giving up two runs or less and still racking up the strikeouts that he has done over uh, the course of the season. And then the second thing that's going to happen for us, you know, the guys that are ahead of him are like Blake Snell, uh, Justin Steele from the Cubs. Uh, they're going to have to have some rough outings, you know, somewhere along the line down here. Uh, with their upcoming start so we so strider can get back into the mix for us and our ticket, you know, isn't dead there. So I wouldn't recommend another play here at plus five fifty odds. Now I would just continue to ride, you know, ride it out with what we gave out over the all-star break when he was around uh plus three fifty and he had the third best odds at that point in time. So hopefully that was the last bad outing that he has uh in him. In him, and he can finish out the rest of the year strong. And we get, you know, some luck here, you know, with some guys ahead of him, like I mentioned, in Justin Steele and uh Blake Snell. They have some rough outings, and we can get back into the mix there. But, you know, moving along, you know, Garrett Cole, even though he didn't get the win in his most recent start there, opening up their series against the White Sox, he still had, you know, a solid performance, didn't rack up the strikeouts that he has been able to do uh, throughout this year, but he gave them a chance to win. The offense um, just wasn't able to come through uh, for Cole, but they did bounce back in game two um, in Tuesday night and got the win, but he still increases his odds on favorite there. Now at minus 275 was current uh, was previously uh, 160 before that start. So He's running away with the AL Cy Young Oz there. You know, some unfortunate news for the Rays with Shane McClanahan likely going to be out for the year. He was around 14 to 1. He was in the mix for a little bit there before he had uh, some rough outings and headed to the IL. Uh, You know, Shahe Otani's also dealing, you know, with, you know, a little bit of fatigue and a little bit of uh, regression in his play. So uh, with the rest of the pitchers out in the, uh, the American League, Gary Cole, Pretty much, you know, the guy at the top of that list there that's pretty much being steady and, uh, you know, finishing out the season strong. And the Yankees absolutely need it as it looks like their offense comes and goes there. So um, hopefully he can, you know, keep that up as, you know, we have about, you know, less than 50 games or so in the regular season there. And, you know, the Yankees offense can find, find a way to be consistent and, you know, not waste. A season like Gary Cole is having when it comes to either, you know, potentially winning the Cy Young in the American League or, you know, trying to get into the playoffs and making the run at the World Series there. Um, moving along to the next, you know, topic to recap in the MLB, the Angels, they finally won their first game since the All-Star break, getting a seven to five win over the Giants, uh, Tuesday night. Um, now, you know, we were, we backed, you know, the, uh, the Giants in Game One of that series, and you know the both offenses were struggling, but the offense for the Giants came alive for us in the ninth uh, when they ran off, you know, six runs in the ninth there and got an eight to three win. But the Angels bounced back in Game Two. You know, last night they're pretty much dominating and in control of that game uh, for the for the most part, uh, up you know by four or five runs or so. But, you know, once the Giants, you know, did get on the board and and got, you know, their first couple of runs, they was able to put up a crooked number. But the Angels bullpen was able to come in and hold it down and get the win there. So when you look at all the moves that they made, uh, you know, leading up to the trade deadline and a couple of, you know, days or, or a week or so before the trade deadline, you know, all those moves seem to, you know, make a lot of sense on paper you know i was you know under the belief like many people felt like um that they needed to trade shohei ohtani rather than you know losing him you know for nothing you know in the uh this upcoming off season but when you look at it from their perspective you know their best you know um opportunity that they felt that they you know could keep ohtani would to go all in for the rest of this year, bring pieces in like they've had and try to make a run at the, uh, you know, at a wild card spot to get in the playoffs. And, you know, they'll probably put banking on, you know, uh, things working out for them in that favor. And not to say that it won't, uh, but I'm still on the side that it won't. But, you know, from a mathematical standpoint, they still have a shot to turn things around. Like I said, it's around 50 games or so left of the regular season here. Um, even though they are, you know, seven or eight games out of that last wild card spot, but it just hasn't panned out, you know, um, that way, you know, yet, Um, you know, I'm still on the belief that it won't Uh, around the all-star break. You know, we had, you know, took under 80 and a half on the adjusted season win total and for them to miss the playoffs as well. So uh, hopefully things continue to work out in our favor when it comes to that. So we can cash those two tickets, but, you know, you do have to kind of respect, you know, their mentality of going, you know, all in and, and trying to, uh, trying to make it work. You know, it just hasn't worked out that way. Sometimes, you know, in the game of baseball, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. But, um, you know, moving along to the next topic to recap in the MLB, uh, some another, you know, uh, good news for us when it comes to the future betting market, you know, the Rangers, they're currently on an eight game winning streak, even though they're, Going to be without, you know, their uh, third base uh, rookie, third baseman, who was favored to win the AL Rookie of the Year, and Josh Jung uh, came out that he's going to have uh, surgery and be out a minimum of six to eight weeks with the fractured thumb. But you know, their odds to win the division have moved to minus one forty-five, so they're they're the odds-on favorite to win the AL West. When you know around All Star break, you know there was around a a pickem, or you know they were slightly had the second odds, you know behind the Astros. But you know during this eight game, you know winning stretch that they're on, they moved into uh, you know sole possession of being the odds-on favorite to win the division there, as well as their odds to win the American League. We gave it out at plus six hundred. Uh, right now, is down to plus four twenty-five. So. Things looking good in that uh, in that situation for us with the Rangers. Hopefully it continues as they deal with injuries. You know, like I mentioned, John, he was, you know, really valuable to the lineup there. But, you know, with some guys that they have added, you know, through the trade deadline with Max Scherzer, he's been lights out and looking like he's gotten, you know, some more motivation as he's in a better winning situation from the Mets, as well as, you know, some guys that they picked up you know, in their bullpen as well. So that's going to end, you know, the recap, you know, that we had going on in, in the Major League Baseball. So let's get into, you know, the Wednesday card right now. You know, not a lot of information on the games uh, quite yet. You know, a lot of teams are still uh, trying to decide who's going to start or, and just not a lot of betting information for me to break down on you know a lot of the games that we have, you know, on a full card, but was able to find a best bet. And we're gonna to go to game two of the Orioles and Astros series. Orioles currently laying minus one twenty. And we're gonna take the Orioles here over set at nine. Um Jack Flaherty getting the start for Baltimore. He's going to be facing Christian Javier of the Astros. And you know something that I was really um um uh, Opened my eyes about Jack Flaherty since he's been in Baltimore. I know he's only made one start, but breaking down the, the information that he had with the Cardinals, you know, he made twenty starts in St. Louis. Uh, he was around an average pitcher. He had a four forty three ERA with a four twenty two FIP and a twenty two percent strikeout percentage. All those numbers hovering around league average, you know, slightly above, slightly below, uh, depending on what you're looking at. But in his one start you know, in Baltimore. I know it's a very small sample size, but it did come against Toronto Blue Jays, who, you know, who are one of the better offenses, not only for the month of August, but, you know, through the course of the, the, through the season there. And in that start, he came away with numbers with a a 150 ERA, a 165 FIP, and his strikeout percentage increased uh, about 11% from his time in St. Louis to 33%. And he had a 286 Bapip, so he wasn't allowing a lot of balls in play and he was racking up strikeouts. And I think that, you know, kind of the situation that we've seen with, you know, Max Scherzer going from the Mets. To the Rangers and Justin Verlander going from the Mets back to the Astros. I think this is the kind of the same thing that's working for Flaherty going from the Cardinals, who was in a losing situation and was going nowhere fast, to a winning situation in Baltimore, who was going to you know win the best division in baseball in the American League East and have a shot at winning you know the World Series title. They're coming out of the American League with Flaherty pretty much being you know the leader of that group. You know they have some other guys in the rotation that are having some pretty good seasons, but, you know, they're more so like, you know, they're at their best in home and road splits situation with Kyle Gibson at the top of that list, but a guy like Jack Flaherty, who um, can come in and rack up the strikeouts, you know, that he's been able to do against a really tough lineup like the Blue Jays. Um, And and I also think another thing that's not going to get talked about or mentioned as much is that he's working with a catcher in Adley Rutschman, who's, the best catcher in baseball from, you know, calling the game for his pitchers as well as being in the box and, uh, you know, swinging the bat as a switch hitter as well. So that's something that doesn't get talked about as much when you look at the success, you know, of those young pitchers over there. I think that they, if you were able to talk to them, they would, you know, give, you know, Rutschman a lot of credit with what he does behind the plates, putting them at ease with the way that he calls games and sets up pitches and does things like that. And with a guy like Flaherty who probably has the best stuff out of all those pitchers there in that rotation, I think he's going to benefit the most. And I think this is something that we can get ahead of before, you know, the numbers and all that start to adjust, you know, for the Orioles, you know, when Flaherty's starting here. So I think we're getting, you know, Flaherty at a pretty um, you know, uh, undervalued situation, underpriced situation here going up against the Astros and uh, Christian Javier. Um, you know, like we said before about Javier and games that we went against him, you know, he's not having the type of year this year that he had last year. He has a 439 ERA and a 472 expected ERA with the 335 expected weighted on base average against. So you can get hits against him he does walk, you know, uh batters at, you know, a league average or slightly above league average level. Uh the Orioles for the month of August, they have the 11th best, you know, uh, uh walk percentage, so expect them to be patient at the plate like they've always have been, especially during this month of August. Their offense is really heating up. Uh they currently rank 5th in OPS weighted on base average and wRC+. So I think this is going to be a tough lineup for Javier to get through, especially on the road. And another thing to take into account for the Orioles, with them being one of the better teams in baseball and the best team in the American League East, you know, game one, you know, of this series, you know, they were in the uh, ninth inning with the three-run lead there. And, you know, with the bullpen that they have and uh, Cano setting up Batista, who's the best closer in baseball, you know, they gave up he gave up a grand slam to Kyle Tucker, which ended up, you know, costing him the game and losing the game. So I think that the bullpen bounces back if they get into the situation again to where they can come in and, and shut down the Astros there. Um So, you know, there's a lot of factors working in his favor. I think the Ori is a little bit underpriced with Flaherty getting a start against Javier, who's a below average pitcher this year, as well as, you know, we have an advantage within the offense, you know, with the, uh, with the Orioles being as hot as they are. Um, the Astros are, are, are pretty good as, uh, pretty good as well, slightly above league average throughout the month of August so far. But, you know, the Orioles, they're just on an elite level right now. So that's going to be the play for uh, the Wednesday card, the best bet. Uh, give me the Orioles minus 120 over the Astros. So I know it's going to uh, just, it's going to just be Wednesday, but going to, Take a quick look into uh the preseason games for Thursday. We've got two of them. Texans taking on the Patriots and the Vikings taking on the Seahawks. And, you know, with football around the corner, you know, preseason opening up. I know we had the Hall of Fame game last week, but I think Thursday is like the official like launch of, you know, preseason. You know, a couple games on Thursday and then the rest on Friday and Saturday. And I think a couple more on Sunday. But you know pretty exciting time like i stated before i have i haven't been a guy that's been you know involved in betting the preseason you know uh in the past but um I do plan on getting involved you know uh taking you know some advantage uh angles and stuff like that well with the preseason coming up uh, with some more um information that I've been able to get uh, you know uh, leading up to this uh leading up to this season here so I kind of lean towards the Texans here. I know it's three and a half now. It opened up at three. So that kind of, you know, worries me about, you know, laying the worst of the number. But just some of the things, you know, uh, some of the factors that stand out to me about the Texans. You know, they're coming into this year with the rookie head coach, uh, D'Amico Ryans, the defensive coordinator from the 49ers last year, who had a, a lights out unit. And with him coming into this culture, the Texans, they've been one of the bottom feeder teams. over the last few years, he's going to come in here, try to establish and build, you know, a winning culture. And I think it starts in their first preseason game, their first action. So, you know, he uh, the Texans, they can be a team to where you can see, you know, their starters that they have for like week one going into the regular season. They could be a team that plays the most. Um, Their starters can play the most out of any other team starters throughout the preseason. As they look to try to establish, you know, some type of winning culture, the way they go about doing things there um, with the uh, D'Amico Ryans coming from a winning organization and a winning program like the 49ers there. And another factor is that the Texans, they have a, a solid quarterback rotation here and CJ Stroud who's going to be the projected uh, QB1 when the regular season starts. He's probably going to get a, a more than the normal amount of reps as any other QB1 uh, going into the regular season that's going to be taking place in the preseason. But also backing him up is Davis Mills, who was the starter all of last year for the Texans. And they also have a great uh, third string quarterback in Case Keenum, who was the ba- uh, backup quarterback, uh in, uh in buffalo last year to josh allen but he's also spent some time as a starter in this league you know going back you know for the texans when he first came into the nfl and he had some successful years in minnesota um as we all know that he he threw that you know uh insane uh catch to stefan diggs down the sideline against the saints that led to them getting a, a touchdown and moving on in the playoffs there so i you know not only just for you know uh um, their first game against the Patriots there uh, that, you know, they have a strong quarterback rotation there. Um, But, you know, the rest of their preseason, they'll have some strong quarterback rotations uh, going up against other teams there. And also uh, speaking a little bit about the Patriots going into their preseason game, uh, Bill Belichick, he's already came out and stated that, you know, majority of this game, the bulk of this game Will be played by the less experienced players, so I c- kind of take that as you know the starters or you know some of the star players that they have on the roster for the Patriots. Don't expect them to play a whole lot here in the preseason. You know, maybe a series if that. They might not play at all. You know, they do have a solid quarterback rotation as well uh, with Mac Jones, Bailey Zappi. Uh, Trace McSorley and as well as they have a fourth string quarterback on the roster and Malik Cunningham. He was the quarterback of, uh, uh, of Louisville in college. He took over for Lamar Jackson and he does a lot of Lamar Jackson like things. So, you know, if you can look at maybe a Patriots, uh, back in the Patriots in the second half where he was going to play majority of the game there, you know, that could be an advantage to play the Patriots there in the second half. Because his mobility is a lot like Lamar Jackson. And he's going to go up against a lot of third and fourth stringers when he is able to get in the game, you know, in the second half there for the Patriots. So that's just something that, you know, stood out to me, you know, for uh the card there for a Thursday night. Uh Seahawks, they're minus four and a half over the Vikings with a total set at 35. Not a whole lot for me in that game. So I'll probably end up passing and just watching and using that as, you know, a a study reference, things that I can take away from that game, you know, moving forward, you know, to their, you know, next preseason game or looking to, you know, some notes to jot down going into their regular season there. Uh, But, you know, that's going to wrap up the show there. Uh, Just a a quick show to get into the MLB card for Wednesday night and speak a little bit about the uh, preseason that we got coming up. You know, I'm excited. I'm anxious a lot like uh, a lot like you guys out there, you know, for the NFL season. I've been really, you know, uh, looking forward to this and, um, you know, just excited for them to get the season started. And finally, you know, we can stop, you know, uh, drooling over the clips, you know, on Twitter or whatever from, you know, practice and the, you know, the dummy drills and stuff like that. We'll actually have, you know, some games to watch and break down and, and look to handicap, and get some action on as the preseason kicks off on Thursday. So uh, that's going to wrap up the show. Uh, Like I said before, if you haven't already, if you like the show, don't forget to uh, rate, review, subscribe, and share the show on Apple and Spotify. I wish you guys best of luck, and I will catch up with you guys on Friday.